The Redskins are losing players in free agency. What are they going to get out of all this? Welcome back to the DMV Sports Roundtable with some of our usual guys. Jamal and Dimitri here. George Wallace has a gig in Detroit this week. And Chris Chion will be along shortly. He's still roaming the newsroom. You can follow <laughs> us on Twitter at DMV Sports Round 1. Chris Chase is our special guest from USA Today Sports Media Group joining us on Skype. And Chris, we're uh, watching a lot of uh, basketball. We're laying this down just as the uh, NCAA tournament starts. And it's also when the Redskins decided to introduce their new receiver and their new quarterback. I wonder, media-wise, are they... Uh, are, are they? Are they? Oh, here's Big Chi as well. We are, are they foolish to try to on. compete with the tournament? Or does it matter? Because, you know, Skins fans will always find it online later or whatever. I think so. I think the latter. Because, especially because we've known this for a month and it seemed... I mean, over a month and it seemed like it's been months plural since we found out Alex Smith was coming here. It kind of made the whole Kirk Cousins uh, leaving anticlimactic and he made it anticlimactic where he went going to Minnesota. I mean, he had this, he said he had a film crew documenting his yeah. free agent journey. I mean, that's going to be like a gif, like six seconds, <laughs> seven seconds. Diva um, yeah. So, you know, I don't think it matters too much, especially in, in the age we live in where you can watch the clip, you know, you're not going to be watching live from Redskins Park, no. Alex Smith's press conference, but you'll read about it. You'll see it online and you can compartmentalize just like, uh, you know, this morning was watching Tiger Woods while the NCAA tournament got started while checking free agency on Twitter. You can do it all these days, Dimitri. That's fortunate. I mean, I think it's good to know the man is in the building. I, yeah. I know it wasn't much in question, right? But No, I, I think Chris said that's a, that's a given. I think fans, especially on Twitter, are more lamenting over who are we signing? You're seeing names flying off the board. You're seeing our own players, Zach Brown. Uh, who are we going to get in on in the defensive line? Are we getting Richardson, Benny Logan? Are we getting in on anything? And then to make it more curious, they sign a punter <laughs> this afternoon. And as far as I know, Tressway is signing through 2020, and he's healthy as far as I know. So with all these other things, you lost seven players and you're bringing in a punter. That's curious. The Paul Richardson move is great. But in terms of Alex Smith, we knew that was going to happen. Outside of Paul Richardson, they've been pretty much stagnant. So that's the real question. What's going on with this team? I think a lot of Front teams have, have, have done that, though. The Cowboys have not done anything except put the, the franchise tag on uh, Demarcus Lawrence. The, the real moves are coming from the teams that have these 80-plus million-dollar cap spaces that us with what? 20-something now that we signed Richardson? It's probably in that range. We can't compete with them. We got to wait till they wipe everybody out, whether it be the Jets, the Browns, the 49ers, uh, the Raiders. I just saw the Raiders signed uh, Jordan Doug Nelson and Doug Martin. You just signed up, man. Martin. That is going to be the best 2010 team the Raiders have ever had. Is Marshawn out then? I'm thinking, by all accounts, he will not be back. I think it was sort of a one. Well, they haven't moved to Las Vegas right. yet. I that it would was be two years, and yeah. then when he moved to Vegas, then he'll probably, you know, get out of Dodge. Yeah, I don't see why. Maybe they're it? pushing him out. I don't know. I thought yeah, he met to with see Gruden, Gruden. I read so Gruden said he was counting on it, but that yeah. was two weeks ago and so much can change obviously yeah but to have him and martin you have Jalen Rashard, they have washington they have some young running backs there also in place i thought for sure jordy nelson and adrian peterson would end up with the, the patriots because when they both got cut on the same day right very close to each other that just seemed like such a patriot move and belichick move to make to get Jordy Nelson, to get Adrian Peterson, and give them one last shot at Adrian the Adrian Peterson hasn't been signed anywhere, right? No, he hasn't. I think he could very well. I mean, they brought back Burkhead, but, you know, Belichick keeps 25 running backs, so he doesn't care. 
I, I, I think he could end up. I don't see any other team really looking at Adrian Peterson. I think if he stays in shape, which I believe he will, he, yeah. the guy yeah. is a monster. He's uh, like Vernon Davis. Uh, right there, yeah, yeah, he'll be like an August pickup, maybe. Yeah. Somebody who says, oh, we need some running back depth. I, I think it's the Patriots, though. But I really do. if I were a team, I'd look at the Saints and kind of think, well, we brought in AP, and he kind of overshadowed Alvin Kamara, who ended up being... Well, they didn't uh, know Kamara was going to be that good. Uh, I'll give them that. Yeah. I thought he would clash more with Ingram. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought he would... I thought him and Ingram would clash, and that's where, you know, who gets what snaps, because they're both first down, you know, not every down backs, but they're both similar runners. Nobody had any idea Kamara would have the season that he had. You knew he would have that third down back role and, and be in the passing game. But no one thought that he was going to have the the type of season that he did. Yeah, but, you know, I see Chi's point when it comes to teams not wanting to possibly have a young guy overshadowed and, mm-hmm. and have a guy taking the snaps uh, like, like Adrian Peterson. Because running back is the one position in the NFL where you can't cheat time. You're not going to have a 40-year-old running back like you have James Harrison who's going to try to play at 40. Mm-hmm. You have Brady playing at 41. Right. Like Time robs these guys. Nice. And we've seen a whole bunch of running backs who we thought maybe could star – age 32 age 33 and really the only ones who do maybe with the exception recently of frank gore who's done it a couple times are the guys who have less hits on them throughout their career the guys who didn't take the pounding when they were 24 25 26 and peterson did i mean peterson was the linchpin of that vikings offense Mm -hmm. for a decade and he took so many hits had so many carries i don't think there's much left but yeah new england would be a fine place for if they have a roster spot because because they've got a bunch of them in. Yeah, run behind some offensive linemen. You'll know you'll get two or three yards when you need it. Uh, but I don't know. I, I think Belichick will probably look elsewhere, yeah. and Peterson might be might be done. They need to find a, a left tackle. They let Solder walk, and uh, he's going to go protect Eli. They gave him a boatload of money. But you got a 41-year-old quarterback. You got, you got to keep him upright, but the most important is that blind side, that left tackle. Yeah. And you let – well, I mean, New England doesn't overpay anybody, so that's expected. They weren't going to throw a whole bunch of money at him anyway. But you let a Pro Bowl left tackle walk when you have a quarterback that's over 40. I don't know what's out there. I wouldn't necessarily feel comfortable getting a rookie and putting him on Tom Brady's left side. I don't know how many other options are out there to tackle, but they've got it. That's a, that's a glaring hole for them. More than, Joke, any, more than Jokel, I saw the. Uh, Is he available? Free, yeah, he's free agent right now. Well, who was he, who was he last with? Was it Jacksonville? I believe so. I'm not, I, I wish I was Jokel's more of an. Jokel's kind of jumped around a little bit. I think. Yeah, he's kind of like the uh, the Raiders' offensive lineman that they drafted a couple of years ago. He reminds me of that sort of Robert Gallery. Oh um, man, that sort of just you talk uh, about a bust. Yeah, I, I, maybe I was being unfair to Jokel. The Gallery was Gallery complete, was but. he? He reminded me. Uh, Chase, I know you remember this name, Tony Mandarich. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the, yeah. Gallery yeah, is one of those guys. It's amazing the can't miss tackles that we've seen uh-huh. go so high. And Gallery is the best example. Mandrick is from I think the '89 draft yeah, went right behind Troy Aikman. I mean, these guys. Uh, it shows the perils of drafting tackles high, and mm-hmm. we like to think everyone likes to think that. That's the surest thing in the draft. You take a tackle at two, you take a tackle at three, you're going to have it. Eric Fisher, who went number one to the Chiefs a couple years ago, right. was moved to guard because he wasn't effective at tackle. So there's a whole lot of – it's not as easy to pick the the offensive lineman in the top five as it seems to be. And I know for years when the Redskins were picking top ten, people said offensive line, offensive line. And I agree – 
because you know that's that's what you need to turn your team around. The Vikings did it. You look at the Cowboys two years ago, but. It's a much more difficult thing than just saying, here's the top prospect, I'm going to take him, because we've seen it from plenty of guys that there are just as many busts to tackle yeah. as we see in most other positions that, that aren't quarterback, yeah, I think. That's how lucky we are. When you break it down like that and look at it that way, how lucky we are to have Trent Williams mm -hmm. work out the way he did. Look at Russell Okung. There was the debate that year was, do we take Trent Williams, who did have some red flags on him, or do we take Russell Okung? I'm glad they made the decision to take Trent Williams. Okung has, is still in the league, but has not had even close to the type of career that Trent Williams has had. And he was expected to have the, the same type of career, if not a little better. So you, you count your lucky stars when you look at it that way that we, Trent has been able to hold it down the way that he has. I'm seeing on social media, and this is the thing that's kind of bothered me about the uh, Rashad Breeland deal. It was a steal of a deal. Panthers, he could have demanded much more. The Panthers got him on a very reasonable team-friendly deal. But people on social media and in different places keep saying, why did they let him walk? Well, this is free agency. It's not all about the team. The player makes the final decision. And if a player takes that type of deal, knowing he could probably demand more, Cleveland had eyes on him. And Cleveland's got boats, boatloads of money. They can pay anybody anything. He would have gotten much more money in Cleveland. He chose that because it's not about the money. He was pissed off when they brought in Josh, Josh Norman. Norman he wanted, he thought he was going to be the number one corner, the number one guy. He knew he was, as long as Norman was here, he was not going to get that opportunity here. He's from Carolina. He gets a chance to go back home, a fresh start, and they traded Chris Worley to the Eagles. So there was an opportunity for him there to cement himself as their number one corner. And I think it was more to do with that than the team not having interest. They may have, or they may have known that he was ready to go. So when people say, oh, they, well, the team, they let him, it's, no, it's free agency. It's well, about the player. In what the would you rather, you know, if you're a fan out there, a guy like Breland who wants to be the number one guy somewhere, or Dominican Sue who outright said yesterday he that wants money. he is going to the highest bidder. Doesn't matter what <laughs> yeah. the Super Bowl situation is, doesn't matter about the scheme, he will go to the highest bidder. And, you know, sometimes that's a breath of fresh air, that honesty. It's honesty, but, but if, if you're a, a coach or a team, I don't, love I don't that. want it. That, especially when you have the, uh, the thoughts about the def defensive tackle here from Tennessee a couple of years ago. Right. Uh, Big Albert there. It would have so. been nice if he would have just said that. Yeah. I mean, for, for media and fans, it's refreshing to hear. Because we know it's about the money. But you sit here and give us this lip service that it's something else. Just say it. And I, but there's, I a big, you know, there, there's a big difference between wanting to go somewhere and cash a check, right. like Hainsworth did, and wanting to go play for the highest bidder, like I'm going to assume Sue is going to go wherever he goes and he's going to continue working hard. He's going to continue to put in all the off season work. He's going to continue to, right. you know, he hasn't been as dominant in Miami. I think as Miami hoped, and that's a whole different conversation showing the perils of really mortgaging your team to a defensive player. It yeah. doesn't work. And I don't think teams should, Literally should think it's going to work, but you know, going in and working for the money is a whole lot different than what right. Ainsworth did, right. which was just cash a check. Yeah, no, I don't want to, uh, you're right about that. I want to get him person personality-wise and work ethic-wise confused with, with Hainsworth. Sue can be called a lot of things. He's been called dirty. 
I was going to ask, does he he's still great. occasionally uh, step on a, a player who's already no, down? Not as much. I, I think he takes a playoff every one out of ten uh, sometimes. Well, uh, he, well, you watch the Dolphins more closely than, than I love him. Than I hate it. I hate I that mean, they got rid of him. I, I know you got to make things work for the cap, and this is what the Dolphins' position. Well, they're they put cleaning house. Pouncey is out. Yeah, you you literally gave away uh, all your best players, Jarvis Landry, who just. What's nice about Jarvis Landry is this, and I think Cleveland is a winner in this free agency market, is Landry doesn't need to run deep routes. So if you have a quarterback that has a bad offensive line, he can get the football out quickly to Jarvis Landry, who can make things happen with Yak, whereas... You know, now I you know I like Kenny Stills, but he's a deep threat. Is this offensive he's, line that's he's, just he's continued? A one-trick pony. Yeah, and I, I I really do like Stills, but I just don't know if Tannehill or whoever that's going to be playing quarterback has enough time. I, no, I don't get what the Dolphins are doing. They'll probably don't. be looking at. I don't know where you guys pick Dolphins, in the first the round. Dolphins, the new Redskins. I don't know where they pick in the first round, but Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore will probably be high on their priority list. Yeah, because they haven't brought anybody in. Amendola. So I, yeah, well, I know, I know, but they have Devontae Parker. I don't think that's a position they can invest in. They just but with Cleveland, I, I look at, at at their receivers now, and they have one of each type of receiver. Yes, they do. You mentioned Landry works the slot. You got Coleman, speed guy, takes the top off the off the uh, off the defense, and then you got Gordon, Gordon can do that who too. can do everything, either one. Yeah, and then you got Njoku. Who was a pass catcher? Yes, you got uh, Duke Johnson who can catch out of the backfield. They did. Carlos Hyde. They pissed me off with that. Why you like that? No, no, no. They pissed me off because with number one, you take Saquon Barkley and you keep him out of the Giants' hands. Out of this, I don't want to see Saquon and Zeke for ten years apiece. I don't want that. They could have did us a huge favor. Philly doesn't care because they've got. You know the best defensive front seven on paper right now, so they don't care. We, on the other hand, I that that I don't want to see that. So they could have done me a favor at number one, taking Barkley. The Giants are not taking a quarterback at two. Indy's not taking a quarterback at three, unless somebody leapfrogs and gets up to in in those positions. But at four, when they come back to pick again, you have your pick of Darnold, Rosen, whoever Apparently you may like. like. Darnold. Well, whoever. I don't. But. Well, whoever. I, I'm throwing out the top names. Yeah. But at at four, what I'm saying is, if a quarterback doesn't go at two and three, you have your pick of whoever. Yeah. Or whatever you want to do, trade back, whatever. But to me, the money that they paid Hyde. You're going to get a much – he's never going to be as good as what I think Saquon Barkley will be. Yes, I would agree with now, that. Now, he could be – Saquon could be a bust. I don't see that on him, but I think that the dynamic back he is, he'll be much better for much longer, and he'll be cheaper right now when you're trying to make moves to get into the – they're not ready to win right now. You know, get it, Carlos Hyde can help someone win right now. Barkley can too, but for the long term – what Cleveland needs to be looking at is the long haul. You don't haul. think Cleveland can win right now? I think they can. They can make. They can. They're going to win more than one game. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah. But I can. I can see if I'm Cincinnati or if I'm the Ravens, I'm looking at my review. The Steelers are where they are. They're going to be where they're at. Yeah. They're not bothering the Steelers. No. But the Ravens and the Bengals on a bit of a downward turn. Yes. Cleveland could possibly make a little noise. Yeah, so we thought the Redskins had lost wide receiver Ryan Grant to the Ravens. It was a nearly $30 million deal over four years. 
What's happened now? Grant fails his physical, and the deal is null and void, and Grant is kind of floating out in space somewhere. We'll have to see where he ends up, if anywhere. Uh, this, is, this is a guy that had... 84 catches and six touchdowns in four years. Yeah. I mean, I know you see Grant. Is that a him problem or us problem? I don't, it's, it's a little bit of both. Well, I'm not putting it all on Grant. I'm just saying I don't see a number one receiver in him. I see him as a solid three, maybe two option, depending on the offense, but I don't see him as a number one. And if you want to talk about injury yeah, issues, yeah, yeah. John Brown peaked. He was looking like two years, two, three years ago. You're like, okay, this dude is going to, he's going to break out beyond when they had Floyd was there and uh, Larry was there. You looked at it's like John Brown could emerge as the top guy down there, but he's had issues with injuries. Rashad Perryman, who they, number one draft pick, has been going on four years now and he's barely done anything. Last year was probably the first time he. Got some games. I have in. their solution. It just came to me. What is it? Anquan Bolden. He will ask oh for reinstate. He asked for reinstatement <laughs> in the NFL. Joe Flacco has never oh had a wide receiver God. that he is as comfortable with as Anquan Bolden. You will never stop banging the table for Anquan. I Bolden. love him. I think he's an incredible wide receiver. I wish I the Redskins would bring him in. Anyone here. within the last year he catches or two. everything. He's gar- Mention Anquan Bolden as much as you. He's Garcon, but better. I love him. I, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> on with you. I, I think the guys even who can right go now? over the middle. No. no. Jump and catch a ball with strength over a defender, over two defenders, are the most undervalued asset. And that's why letting Garcon go last year for the Redskins, I think, was the biggest move they made, perhaps in the last two or three years, because they didn't have that guy you could go to on third down. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, years ago, Henry Ellard came here after his his stint in Los Angeles. And he had something, I don't remember the exact exact stat, but it was something like he had 80 catches one year and every one was for a first downer something along those lines, 80 straight catches for a first down. That's wow. the kind of guy you need. The yeah. Redskins don't have that right now. And, you know, I'm, Bolden might not be the guy. Uh, he may be a little That's what uh, I'm saying, long, right in, now. long in the tooth. I know what he could it's, do. It's, it's something you need. It's something you need on a team. And teams uh, are, are so much more for flash and speed, but you need both. I mean, you, you have to have a speed guy complement the possession receiver, and you got to right. have the possession receiver complement the guy streaking down the field. I'm thinking maybe they might in-house, they might have in mind that Maurice Harris could be their possession guy. Or in the draft, are you looking for a Pierre Garçon sort of player? They might not take him this high, but DJ Moore out of Maryland. James That'd Washington from uh, Oklahoma State. Those are rock-solid guys. Can get run after the catch. Go across the middle. They'll block. They're fearless. They got their toughness. Those two are, are two names in the draft that jump out to me. If you look possession receiver, I think Maurice Harris could be there if he gets more opportunities. Robert Davis even. We haven't really seen. And Robert Davis can do a lot of things. But we're not sure what he can do yet. He hasn't got a whole lot of snaps. I like the Paul Richardson thing. Now, Chase, you mentioned he was he was injury prone. And he is. You can't, you can't avoid that. But if you look at the free agent market, Allen Robinson coming off of ACL. Sammy Watkins, one-trick pony. He's had injury issues. You got Paul Richardson who has had injury issues. All along, I mean, even uh, Albert Wilson has had some some issues. So free agency, every guy on the top of that list had some sort of red flag about them. 
and Paul Richardson came in cheaper. And I think he's at a point, he's getting to his prime. Like, he's starting to ascend and break out. And he brings, not comparing him to D-Jax at all, but he gives yes, you a speed element. Totally. Gives you the speed. And he's got hands. He can, he goes up and gets the ball, similar to what Deshaun can do. Nowhere near the same player, but they have some similarities. And I, I think that he fits in well in what they're doing here. And he can mesh because... He's not going to have Russell Wilson. And a lot of those highlights you see from from Richardson, Russell is running for his life. Yeah, he's screwed next year. And he's just running around and heaving it. And, you know, Richardson makes a play downfield. I think he will benefit from Alex Smith being able to drop back in the pocket and and control the pocket a little bit and make not a crazy – not Russell make crazy throws, but not a throw out of desperation. I think he'll benefit from that. I think – Doxon will benefit from his speed on the other side because you don't have another guy on the other side of you that does the same thing. I think Crowder and a healthy Jordan Reed will all benefit from that because one thing they didn't have last year was that speed threat, and they really missed that with Deshaun being gone. You never make up for Deshaun Jackson, but you can get something similar. I think they got that in, in Richardson. A healthy Jordan Reed, though, is, a is, like, a, is like a Yeti. You know? yeah. it's, like seeing, it's like seeing <laughs> yeah. Bigfoot. Sasquatch. Uh, he's not... He, you know, he's not healthy, and he, I don't think he ever will be healthy. You're going to get what you get from Jordan Reed, which yeah. is probably seven to ten starts a year. If you can get ten, fantastic. And, mm-hmm. and that's the problem, I think, with this receiving core is every single person has an asterisk attached to them if if right. Crowder can stay healthy. Uh, you know, Dotson, we, we all know about him. Davis, you know, getting up there. He'll be 34 next year. Mm-hmm. So there's so many guys on this team that – are ifs and yes if if all of them come together and can play healthy then i think this is a dynamic offense that that uh john uh, jay gruden john gruden good lord <laughs> that jay gruden can can uh, you know work with but if not and you have this patchwork offense like you did last year yeah. then i think you're staring at seven and nine again i think the beautiful part about it is now you have a quarterback that comes in with a clean slate with everybody he has no preconceived notions that he has more of a connection with this person or that person. He has no safety blanket. And Kirk will kind of go to his guys when he was he didn't trust Docs and he didn't trust Pryor. So he would go to Reed. He would go to Crowder, the ones he was comfortable with. Now you have a chance that Alex Smith can be able to connect and get a rapport, hopefully, with all of his receivers. And there's no preconceived notions of, I feel more comfortable with this guy than that guy. They may get there, but now it's a clean slate and they can all build some sort of rapport with Alex. Well, is there evidence of what Alex Smith has done in the past? I mean, he has his favorites, uh, had his favorites in KC, right? Well, but he, he's a little more courageous than Cousins. Well, he had uh, his favorites plus. were the guys that were supposed to get the ball, though. It's it's not like KC had, you know, you Travis Kelsey, you get the ball to him. Tyreek Hill, you get the ball to him. Kareem Hunt, you get the ball to him. When Macklin was there, you try to get him the ball. Way back when he first got there, you get Jamal Charles the ball, you get Dwayne Bowe the, guy, the ball. And, and then you sprinkle in Albert Wilson in there somewhere when you get a chance. And uh, some of the other guys they have, but those were the focal points. But those were all reliable weapons. Well, yeah, that's, but they were set. The, but see, they were set. Yeah. They were set. Yeah. And here, it's not set. So anybody can emerge as the number one. And going back to what, what Chase was saying, hell yeah, when, it, when I say healthy Jordan Reed, that is not 16 games. The health is relative to him. And like like you said, Chris, it's 
You, if you get 10, okay, you're, you're okay with that. If you get anything above 10, you know, that that's a cherry on top. That's icing on the cake right there. So health is, is very relative when you talk about Jordan Reed. When I say healthy Jordan Reed, I'm not talking about 16-game Jordan Reed because he doesn't exist anymore, if he ever did. I think law of averages, though, after they gave him so much rest, well, they had to. I mean, he, he wasn't able to play last season. Uh, maybe he shines one more time. I mean, I hope, I, I hope but it's just so tough because, yeah. I mean, really, he's one concussion away, right. I, I think, from somebody having to sit him down and say, look, here, here's what's here's what might happen. I think it's best if you go uh, because, you know, it's just it's painful to see him. I mean, you, you watch that last concussion he got last year and and you wince and you can only imagine what's going on for him. So I just at some point, one's going to be too many for Jordan Reed. Mm-hmm. I fear he's already there, uh, but I get he's a young man. He's 28 years old. Right. He still has some money to make in the league. Uh, but, you know, he's he's playing with fire right now and hopefully he can make it. Hopefully injuries, if he does suffer any injuries, it'll be to the lower half of the body well, that's and, where and, not, been the, and not, not the top, you know. Yeah, I mean, concussion-wise, you're, he is right there. I mean, he is he is one away. You hate to say that, but that's, that's the reality he of is, it. Yeah. And lately, most of his injuries have been to the lower lower extremities. You know, so I don't I don't know about his toes and his ankles and, his, you know, this and that. You just hope he stays healthy. You let Niles Paul go. That, you know, that was that was almost inevitable. But Niles was another guy that had he's been hurt on multiple occasions. Better on special teams than in the actual offense, but a great guy to have in the locker room. And, you know, Jacksonville's going to get a great a great guy in the locker room down there. But I, I guess you may have to address this in the draft at some point there are other positions that you can you can address you still have sprinkle not sure what you have in him he's a young guy but i'm not sure yeah uh you can't davis is is a you know he's he's a freak of nature in terms of being that in shape at his age you know, like I'm talking like he's old, but I'm older than he is. Well, no, but, but the football you know, years, football years, yeah, football years. He's my age in real life. You know, for him to be in that sort of shape is remarkable. But like we said before, father time is undefeated. At some point, no matter how well conditioned you are, you know, it, it will catch up with you, and we can't necessarily lean on him. But if he's if, if Reed and Chase, I, let me ask you this: If Reed is can be healthy this year, I think this is the season to do it. Because Alex Smith will feed him. If it starts with him, he can really flourish with Alex Smith as his quarterback. Well, yeah, you said it. Kelsey is the best example, and right. that's the kind of guy that that Reed is. He can go over the middle, and he can he can get the balls, and and Smith will feed him. Especially if you have Richardson stretching the the uh, the defense, you know, running deep routes, and especially if you have a running game that defenses will will take seriously. And that's another problem with the Redskins that we haven't even gotten into is the fact right. that. Last year's rushing attack really, I mean, even with Chris Thompson, because they weren't using him effectively when when he Mm -hmm. was on the field, uh, it didn't instill fear in anybody. So you had teams that weren't necessarily just letting the Redskins, you know, rushing three and dropping eight back. But what they were doing was they were providing a healthy balance of defense for uh, the rush and the pass. And this year, you worry that if they're going to get very pass happy, which I think is what Gruden wants to do now that he has Smith and he's developing these weapons that they hope can stay healthy. Uh, what we'll see, I think that the biggest uh, kryptonite to that will be a rushing attack that nobody trusts to, to do anything. And I if that's the case, then we're going to see some trouble. Yeah, I think they address. Doug Williams said at the combine, 
that they will a running back is is an area they need to address and that will be that will be different they're not going to do it and i'm glad they didn't do it in free agency because the money that was paid to Hyde and Deion lewis and, and some of these other guys jarek mckinnon i don't see those as the answer this is such a deep class when you even even pass saquon barkley when you look at guys uh, Sony Michelle, uh, Ronald Jones out of USC, Nick Chubb, and, and there's some other guys past that that you can get a very good if – if they get Geis or Ronald Jones in the second round, I'm satisfied with that because I think those are the type of running backs that can be number one on your team. They're not necessarily Saquon Barkley, but they do a lot of dynamic things, and they can be a starter for 10 years plus, and they're better than anybody you have currently on that roster p ryan right now i don't know what his potential is but he is a rotational guy and he's very he could be very good as your hammer you know what you got in chris thompson i've been over rob kelly for quite some time and i don't know why he still sticks around but i think if you get geis or ronald jones or even sony michelle that will be your day one starter and they can they can roll with that that will definitely be a threat you can't just you know lay off the box and let them, you know, and, and not think they have a running game. Those guys will make a difference. You know, it's so tough to get the running back late in the draft. And we think it's not because you see every year maybe a guy like Kamara. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and last year we also saw for the Chiefs. Kareem uh, Hunt. Uh, yeah, Kareem Hunt. So, you know, you see these guys go. They were both in the third round. I, I think uh, Kamara was at the start and Hunt mm-hmm. was at the back. And you say, okay, well, you can do this. But then you look at the rest of the draft and you see names you've never seen before and you'll never hear it again right. and you go down and you look at uh, i was looking at this the other day other years you know in 2016 jordan howard for the bears but then there's no one else that was taken in that draft below the second round right. who's doing anything jade ajai was the year before he was the only one in the second round so really right. it's like a dartboard and i don't believe that the chiefs or the saints had some sort of prescient power when they were drafting no. camara um you know or hunt and saying okay well this guy's gonna be their offensive rookie the year this guy's going to lead the league in rushing because Mm -hmm. they wouldn't have passed on him two times before that right so it's so much of it is just just a crapshoot and hoping you get a guy who's going to work hard hoping you have an offensive line that'll open up holes hoping that your offensive line develops in the shape that you want it to where it can complement the runner that you get because the Redskins offensive line last year did not complement the kind of runner Rob Kelly is and I yeah I mean Jamal we've talked about this you know all last season I don't know that any many offensive lines are Rob Kelly's offensive line right but it's you have to have all these things working in tandem and that's what makes the NFL so interesting not to get off topic here but Joe Thomas for the Browns the offensive lineman played 10,363 yeah. some or something like that straight snaps in the NFL 11 years retired uh, 11 years in the league he got hurt at the end of last year he played 10,000 straight snaps every snap in his career until like week eight of last year retired he goes down he's one of the best tackles in his generation maybe first, of all time first battle hall and, of famer yeah and he goes down as a guy who had a 48 and 128 record right. he spent 50 weeks of his career winless he was one mm. in 31 in his last uh two seasons 
I think it's the worst stretch any Hall of Famer has ever had. Oh, yeah. And it just shows that one guy doesn't make a difference. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, and it's just, I think you could apply that to the Redskins so much in that they try to put so much, uh, not pressure, but they put, they put the weight of so much on one player. Right. And I think it was on Trent last year. And we heard all about the Hogs 2.0 yeah. and how he was going to, to, you know, change it. And they were great early on before they got hurt. And then the injury, decimated them so you can't just put it all on one guy no. you have to have got you have to have people around him and maybe when you make signings like a paul richardson you're trying to spread the wealth a little bit mm-hmm. but that running back is going to be key and uh, you know i i don't think we're going to know anything at the end of the draft in april it's not and i don't think we're going to know anything early in preseason it's not going to be till week one that you know what you have yeah. same thing last year you didn't know what you had with thompson and kelly and p ryan so it's we love to talk about it, but really, it's going to be six months from now that we're going to see what the Redskins really do have. That's a lot of anxiety to put on yeah. us. But what else is new? I mean, I, I can see that, but I, I got a lot of faith in, in this draft class and the guys that I mentioned. But yeah, you've got to go in the first three, especially with this. You can get more later on, but I think for what they need, they need a day one starter, somebody clear cut. You can give Kelly another chance. I just don't. I don't like the fact that he's the anointed starter. I don't think he's necessarily earned that right to be the anointed starter. I think if he goes in and he battles with whoever they bring in and carves out his space, then he deserves it. But he was kind of anointed when Matt Jones left, and I didn't think that was fair to him. It definitely wasn't – he wasn't in the right position to be anointed that in – but the offensive line definitely needs help. And especially now, Spencer Long has, has walked. So you have a hole, and, and Laval is a uh, free agent. So you have a hole at left guard now that has not still not been addressed. And there are guards kind of, Josh Sitton is gone, and people are just flying off the board now. Now you look at 13, do you go guard at, at 13? Or if you trade back, do you go guard in the first round? Because if you don't address that, that's a glaring hole. And we're talking about cementing this this offensive line and keeping Moses and Scherf. Rulier will be uh, inserted as, as the center. And, of course, you have Trent on the other side. But you've got to get another guard in there. Will Hernandez from UTEP is one that I like. He's nasty, just like, uh, just like Scherf. You get two nasty big boys up front at those guard spots, you can make a, a lot of noise in a run game. But that's got to be addressed. Well, I, I think, I mean – they put that second round tender on Ty Naseki, so I, I assume... You think they're going to kick him in the guard? I assume that they have plans to move him to that guard okay. spot. I, I, I don't know why you'd you'd put that on him if, unless you really wanted him, right. or unless they're just... I mean, look, it, you're right. It could be just be for depth, and mm. they might have no plans for him. I don't want to guard... I, look, I'm all pro-offensive line at 13. I thought Sheriff was a great pick, and he's yeah. turned out to be, uh, you know, if not, if not the, you know, the top... Whatever pick he was, I think he's turned out to be a fine offensive lineman for the Redskins. But I feel like you have to go right now in this draft. You got to go secondary. I feel like maybe linebacker. Maybe if you bring Zach Brown back in secondary, uh, I don't think the Breland loss is, is a big deal. As big a deal as other people do. No. I liked Breland. Um, he was definitely not a number one corner when Norman came over, and he right. became a number two corner. I think he thrived because he wasn't you know asked to do it all. But there's 
some guys out there who can do what Brashad Breland does. But I don't and, think... you're, and you're right, Jamal, when you said that Breland wasn't let go as much as Breland left. Right. And uh, But I think there is something to that because the Redskins did let him go without putting up a fight. So Well, I think uh, they might have known. Yeah. They might have known that he was just ready to go. And sometimes when you know a player just needs to go, you just let him do it. But I think people forget that Fabian Moreau, before he tore his peck at his pro day, he was he would have gone in the first round. So I, I think people are overlooking the skill set and talent that Moreau has. You see, yeah, yeah, he had a rough rookie season. Yeah, he did. But that's not going to negate him being able to turn into a good corner. They like Dunbar. I I don't know if I'm necessarily comfortable with him as a number one, you know, a number two guy on the outside. He, he's good. He's okay. But I think Moreau has those abilities to be that good and maybe better than Breland was in time. Well, there are some options in the in the in the draft. I think I would probably go if they don't address D line, D tackle, or nose tackle, whatever they want to do. They've got to do that in the first. I, I like Deron Payne. I like Vetavia. There's some other guys in there that you can put up front. Maurice Hurst. There's some guys you can plug in day one, and that makes it much better with Ioannidis and Allen on the bookends on their defense. But if they don't get a Don Terry Poe, Richardson, what they probably will not be able to afford, Benny Logan is a run stuffer. If they don't address that sometime soon in free agency, those guys will be gone You know, in the next coming days most likely. Then I think they address that. I would address that in the first round as opposed to secondary. All right, can we talk about basketball now? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, come on. Well, no, yeah, I, it's, I, it's 40 minutes, and we're talking about free agency, which is the most boring topic alive. We have it. the greatest event. Is Wake Forest in, Chris? No. No, Wake there's Forest no Wake Forest. Is not in. See, you're excited. You're more excited than I am as a person. That, I have two teams that didn't make it. No Hoyas, no Terps. And I'm like, yeah. I'll watch it because I'm a sports person and I like basketball. But other than that, like to really be invested, I don't have a bracket. None of my teams are in it. It's like, eh, it's, it's okay. First of all, you know, not filling out a bracket is, is the cause of uh, Jamal's apathy here. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I haven't done it in 10 years. I'm, I'm light gambling is chicken soup for the soul. I'm telling <laughs> you. Uh, unless, unless you're like me and Dimitri and you're watching that Rhode Island Oklahoma yeah. game to start and you're freaking out because you pick Rhode Island and your bracket's about to be done before it starts. Right, right. Um, so. You know, this year is one of the more fascinating years in that everyone said it was going to be a bunched up year. There was going to be one of 10 teams, 12 teams could win the title uh, because you didn't really have a team break out from the pack in February, in early March. But now that everything's settled down and the draws out and you're looking at the bracket, you really only see six or seven teams that I think realistically can win this thing barring meltdowns barring you know a Kemba Walker like run like we saw from UConn a couple of years ago and one of them is UVA I was more confident about UVA going into this tournament than I've been about any team in the past decade but then they had their sixth man uh, sixth man of the year in the ACC DeAndre Hunter get hurt mm-hmm. uh, broke his wrist in the ACC semis didn't look right in the finals but no one really knew that he had he had uh, broken a bone comes out this week it was a big surprise so that's a big knock to UVA. They also had a tough draw. They, they'll see Kentucky or Arizona probably in the Sweet 16. And they have a, the second best defensive team in the country on the bottom of their bracket in Cincinnati. So UVA had one of the toughest draws and then got the, the biggest injury news of the of the tournament. 
Then you have Kansas on the other side. Kansas was struggling early with Penn in this first round game. I think it's probably safe to sharpie them into the next round. They've lost one of their best players in Azubuke. So if you look at the bracket and you just are picking out teams here, Villanova, who won the tournament two years ago, Mm -hmm. North Carolina, defending national champions. And if you want to throw Duke in there, uh, Duke has a lot of problems. Duke has a lot of problems inside. If they have the usual Duke problem where if they're not shooting well from beyond the arc, Mm -hmm. they're going to lose. Uh, But if Duke is shooting and Duke can get past a fairly easy start in the bracket and maybe not have to see Kansas, then they could be in the final four. And once you get there and you're a Coach K team, you can easily win thanks to the coaching of Coach K and and the refereeing of guys in in the uh, zebra stripes. And do you have Duke in your final four i don't so i i picked uh so i went for kentucky in the in the south which was uva's region yeah i have north carolina coming out uh as number two seed in xavier's region villanova winning its region in the east and then in the uh in in the midwest with kansas and you have duke in there i liked a big upset to go. I have Auburn in there right now. Really? It's a, team that, it's a team that could lose in the first round. Charleston, they got a tough draw. I think Charleston's one of the better teams. They haven't been in the tournament in 17 years. Uh, they had a great conference tournament. Uh, but Auburn has a fairly easy 4-5 or five game in Clemson. And then if you're looking at Kansas and you think that you – know, I watch Kansas a lot. I have family from Kansas uh, that went to Kansas. So I'm a big you know Kansas guy. And this looks to be the – worst Kansas team in the past 15 years but the Kansas teams of the past 15 years maybe seven or eight of them have been the best team in the country and only once have they won the title so maybe this will be the year that Kansas proves everyone wrong and goes in and wins the title as maybe the sixth or seventh best team in the draw my final four is Kentucky Gonzaga Purdue and Michigan State and uh, I like Purdue I like Purdue. Okay. Duke has had their ups and downs, but they're going to have to, it it might, Bagley might have to carry them because I don't know it's going to have to be their youth that carries them. I don't know what little Richie Rich, oh, temper tantrum. Grayson now. Grayson, yeah. He's a hothead, so I don't know if I can count on him to really lead them because it's going to take him as an upperclassman to lead those young guys. That's the other thing with Kentucky. They're really young, too. But you've got Bagley, who was considered to be the clear-cut number one pick. I think the, the kid from Arizona is now kind of blown past him. But I think Bag- they could put it together if Bagley does something. I don't put. I never put North Carolina or Roy Williams teams out of anything. Gonzaga's <laughs> always tough I do like the Purdue pick a little bit though I think it's I mean being a Maryland fan I've seen Purdue I have seen Michigan State and they're both very good so Purdue is is, that's a sneaky little pick right there (laughs) let's see see how we do you could have spent all week reading breakdowns and math and all these statistics. And the Washington Post did, uh, you know, fascinating job for uh, for the entire week, just putting out every single stat imaginable, like you know, stats that uh, w- would have made Stephen Hawking proud, <laughs> and, and trying to break down these tournaments. But the answer is, you don't know what's going to happen no. because you don't know which 19-year-old is going to miss a free throw. Exactly. The one thing that. I, you know, the only tip I could ever give to anyone filling out a bracket, and obviously now it's too late to fill out a bracket, but is teams that come in hot 
usually stay hot. We mm-hmm. saw UConn do it a couple of years ago when they were uh, about to miss the tournament and they won five straight in the Big East tournament and right. they won the NCAA tournament as a seventh seed. Uh, we saw Kansas do it in 2008. Villanova a couple of years ago had a big win streak coming into the tournament. Michigan that went to the national championship, I think three years ago when they lost to Louisville uh, or four, I guess it was four years ago now maybe, they had won a whole bunch of games straight. So that's the biggest thing. And when I look at the the reason I have Kentucky in my final four is because Kentucky was kind of middling middle of the road this season. And then late in the year when Calipari gets these freshmen, uh, you know, under his system, playing the way he wants them to play, uh, they won a whole bunch, I think five straight going into the SEC tournament. And now they're coming in and they have a tough draw. But I kind of like them to do some damage. It's been a while since we've seen, uh, you know, Calipari uh, do his thing in the final four. So I think might this year might be the year that we see him back uh, for the first time in three or four years. Yeah, everything goes out there. There's, there is no science to this. The people try to make it that. And, 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 you know, like you said, come up with all these stats and analytics. When it really comes down to it, nobody knows because anybody can win. They call them Cinderella's for a reason. Anybody could break out. I mean, you know, Steph Curry did it. You know, just guys just all of a sudden, you're like, who was this guy? Exactly. Who's Davidson? And they just break out. You don't know where it's going to come from, who might do it, what team, what seed. But it's going to happen to somebody. Somebody is going to be David to somebody's Goliath at some point. And I think also for me not having a team in it, I don't want to be a hater, but I, I do look for the upsets. I like to see that. Uh, of course. I mean, that's that's kind of one of the, the biggest draws about the tournament is, is the upsets. I, I hate when it goes chalk. And it's always who you thought it was going to be. And I love the fact that in the tournament – you never know. It could be a mix of anybody. Nobody had George Mason getting to the Final Four that particular year. So things like that happen. I think that's one of the, the, the draws of the tournament for everybody. It includes everyone. The problem is Cinderella makes a terrible dance partner at midnight. It does. It does. And Yeah, I mean, so that George Mason-UNC game uh, where right. they went to the Final Four and they also beat UConn to go to the Final Four, that was amazing. And then we forget how bad the game against Florida was mm-hmm. in the Final Four. So mm-hmm. – I like my upsets early, yeah. and then I like my chalk late. I, I, I agree true. with you. I agree. I, I would take upsets up until, let's say, the Sweet, sweet exactly. 16, maybe one, one in the Elite Eight. But after the Elite Eight, let's keep it at the Elite teams. You know, they're like, I agree with you. You know, sometimes the Cinderella slip into the Final Four, and then they get punished. And then they're like, well, okay, that's a waste. But, uh, yeah, get them early. I mean, you don't have one, to me, one clear-cut dominant team. I mean, you have a lot of good teams, and anybody could be anybody else, especially the, the, the list that, that, uh, that Chase said. Yeah, all those teams can get it. Like you have – you're not going to find any alike Final Fours this year. Every, some people might have two teams, you know, that, that might be the same. But you're going to have a lot of different answers in there because you've got Villanova and, and other teams. Arizona could make a run. You, you don't know. VA, you know, UVA, people are starting to back up off, off them. Who knows? They, they might surprise us and, and galvanize as a team and be able to make it over that hump without their best, uh, without the sixth man at the end of ACC. Make us regret who, who doubting knows? them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, they could. It's the tournament, and, they, and that's what happens in the tournament. When you start to count somebody out or count them out, 
they end up getting further than you think. And that's the beauty of the tournament. So uh, if I pivot us back to football just for two minutes, did you guys have a little arguing to do over Scott McLuhan, former Redskins general manager, or did you fold no, that in? No, uh, no, I just, I floated it out there, you know, just being an ass. I just floated it out there. <laughs> you know, I, I already know Chase, what he's going to say about it. And I don't necessarily think that they're being competent because of McLuhan. I mean, but do you think it, it, begs, it begs the question that is it just a coincidence, though? But, this is Cleveland, uh, Jamal's talking about. Yeah, 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 Browns, yeah, yeah, Browns. Yeah, yeah that's Browns. what I wanted to establish. That the, the Browns are getting almost like a silent partner in McLuhan? Or it's I mean, very I don't, much I don't know. A consultant could mean anything. You know, I don't know exactly what that means in terms of how much say he has so you know consulting could be a wide range of things you could have a lot of say or you could just you know make a suggestion here and there and it's you know it's taken under advisement but not necessarily done I don't know I'm just saying that this is not what we have seen from Cleveland in the past not even just the recent past in the past all the way down to you know the Bernie Kosar days when Belichick and you know the good days we haven't seen that in quite some time. So it just seemed just a tad bit coincidental, just a little you know, conspiracy theory that I'm throwing out there. They have made some good moves, which is why when you brought up Joe Thomas earlier, when they started to make these moves, I felt good for him. But then I knew I wasn't sure if he was going to retire. And I'm sad that he's retiring without getting at least one more year where they're semi-competitive, or at least on paper, they look to be competitive and and win more than you know one game. He deserves better than that. But if you got to go, you got to go. But I would have been nice for him to see, me to see Joe, you know, actually be on a team that could compete in the division. Yeah, for- I agree. And, and you know, so what McLuhan's doing there is he's working with John Dorsey, who he used to work with in Green Bay, okay. and they're all home. They're all Ron Wolf guys, and you know, worked with Holmgren and and all these. So he's consulting him, and Dorsey's mm-hmm. a new GM. So if they do have a not a GM by committee, but at least a, if McLuhan's a sounding board for him, then I think that's a good thing. I, I think McLuhan was good at, at getting the Redskins back to a position of stability. Mm-hmm. The verdict's still out on how good he is at at building a winner. But right. yeah, I mean, when you have all these assets, you have to do something with it. And the Browns are finally starting to do something with it. We'll see which quarterback they take and whether that ends up being beneficial for them or whether fans are going to you know see Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz in their nightmares for the next 20 years yeah. uh, because they skipped <laughs> over them. So who knows? But uh, I'm not the big, biggest free agency guy. I'm not the biggest draft guy, but I'm very fascinated to see what the Browns do this year because they have to take a quarterback. Everyone knows it. And it'll be, yeah, I think it could be one of four or five guys. I mean, she mentioned a few of the names. So we'll be uh, we'll be watching that one uh, a couple Thursdays from now. And you know what? They won't be pressed into duty necessarily because they got a, a pretty good you know, some people are down on on Tyrod. I think Tyrod's pretty good. He can win you some games. So they put themselves in a position to have a bridge quarterback if need be, if they take Donald, Rosen, Allen, you know, who, uh, Lamar Jackson, whoever. If they take any of these top guys and they feel week one, he's not necessarily ready. You don't have to really press him in the, into duty. You know, like they did with Kaiser last year, and they've, they've done in the past with Manziel. You don't have to put him in that situation if they're not ready. You have someone in Tyrod Taylor that is capable of winning games. And then with the weapons that they put in place around him, with Tyrod being able to move and run the way that he came to make plays downfield, that gives you another wrinkle that some of those quarterbacks may not have right now. 
is everyone in America a Browns fan? I mean, they have just suffered no. so much. Yeah, that, no. I mean, I can't. I can't find a way to hate them right now. Just you know, I don't. I don't. I don't hate them. I'm not a Brown. I mean, if they if they do well, then they they do well. But you know, I'm it's not. A, a very I'm, deep hole. I'm not going to root for them. Right. It's a very deep hole to dig yourself I'm, out of. I guess I'm, I am staunch in my Redskin fanness to a point where I'm almost a Neanderthal right now. <laughs> so I, I have no sympathies for anybody else. But you know, but Redskins Nation, and I'm getting kind of sick of some of us now too on Twitter. But it's okay. <laughs> well, I still love them. That's the uh, uh, familiarity breeds contempt kind of thing. Oh yeah, we're all over the map. You you should see Chase. I don't know if you've been on Redskins Twitter, or just on uh, Twitter period, and people are losing their minds. We're not doing enough. We're not. We're, we're we want to spend money. We don't want to spend money. People are all over the map. When you spend money, then they get pissed off with that. You're overpaying. Then when you are conservative, they're not spending enough money. The Redskins fans, some of us, you, it, you can't please them. Right. And that and that is exactly why no one should ever, ever be on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Alas, we have to be. I know. You know it's, I yeah, am on no problem. other social uh, media but that. I'm not a social media person, and I had to do it a couple years ago. And I, I fell in love with it, but you won't catch me on Instagram or Snapchat or whatever the hell else is out there. I don't do that. So this is the extent of my social media presence is Twitter. That's that. Right. I, I think we're ready to hit record now and uh, put some really sharp podcast together after now. <laughs> All right, guys. <laughs> All right, take it easy, Jamal. All right, Chase. Take it easy, man. That's Chris Chase, USA Today Sports Media Group for Jamal and Chris Chion. I'm Dimitri. The DMV Sports Roundtable is on Apple Podcasts, the Podcast One app. PodcastOne.com and WTOP's mobile app. Just tap listen, enjoy the tournament, and for Redskins fans, large and small, all around the world, God help us in free agency and in the draft.